0: Well, good morning. It's good to see you in church this morning. Thank you so much for being here. It's a great privilege to be able to speak to you this morning, and I'm glad that you're here. If you missed it, last week, uh, Pastor Young was away, and Pastor Holland preached for us. And uh, just before last week, over the holidays, Aloma and I were doing some driving together, coming home from uh, Hamilton, where we visited my family. And we are just in the car talking, and I said, I said, "Aloma, I said, i got to preach next week, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. I said, what should I preach on? She said, well, you know what, this has been on my heart recently. She said, I just feel like sometimes we come to church and we just sort of go through the motions. You know, we don't come expecting God to do something great. We just go through the motions. And then last Sunday, Pastor Holland got up and preached a great message. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. It was called Lame Expectations, about getting up and just going through the motions, so Pastor Aloma and Pastor Holland were chatting that week. She must have. But anyways, Aloma had to write me a new message this week. So um, I'm just teasing. <laughs> no, I'm excited to be with you this morning. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting in God's Word. Take your Bibles with me. Turn to Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3 is where we'll be uh, in God's Word this morning. Well, it's officially one week or over one week into 2023. We've made it. One full week. And a new year is often a time for um, reflection, for review, a time to look back at the previous year and a time to look ahead to the next year with resolve. Maybe we could use this word, a word we're all familiar with, resolution, right? New Year's resolution. How many of you have made a New Year's resolution this year? Hold your hand up nice and high. How many of you? One. I see one, two, three. That's it. Three. Oh, four. Okay, I got four. I'm surprised only 4. Okay, New Year's resolution. Here's the real question for only you four. How many of you have already broken your new Year's? Uh, one, two? Oh, 50%. That's not a, that's not very good. Uh, well, you know what, whether or not you made a formal New Year's resolution or not, I did not this year. Whether or not you did, I still think this time of year, the turning of the calendar, it still causes us to kind of give thought to the previous year and the coming year. It causes us to reflect and to look back. Maybe you were uh, going back through some old photos to post a highlight on, the, on your Facebook or social media of your, of your year, right? And looking at the highlights and the lowlights, looking back to think, what did I accomplish? What did I do? What lessons have I learned? Looking forward to the new year, thinking, uh, what goals do I have? What do I want to accomplish in the coming year? Where will I be in January 2024 compared to where I am today? And where am I today compared to where I was in January 2022? There's a lot of different goals that we could set. I read an article this week in News 10. I think I have it for you on the screens. And it talks about the most popular 2023 New Year's resolutions. So there's the first one for us, is to exercise more. Now, number one resolution this year, according to News 10, was to exercise more. The second, surprise, surprise... To eat healthier. They go right hand in hand. Here's the third one. I think you'll like this one. To lose weight. <laughs> We're starting to see, see a theme here. The fourth one changes themes a little bit. It's to save more money. And the last one was to spend time more time with friends and family. Perhaps you, like many others, have a physical goal this year. Maybe you have a financial goal. Maybe a, a family goal or a relationship achievement Maybe it's a parenting goal, something you'd like to accomplish in your relationship or or, uh, your discipline of of your children. I don't know. Maybe you have an education goal, to pass a certain class or to make a certain grade. Maybe to read a certain amount of books every single month this year. But you know what? No matter the category that your New Year's goal or resolution falls into, you have that goal because you believe in some way it's going to make your life better. It'll make you healthier, happier, wealthier, wiser, more successful, well-adjusted, have more peace. There's a famous phrase that comes around every January. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've used it. You've probably seen it on somebody's caption. It goes like this, New year, new me. You ever heard that before? New year, new me? Now some of you are kind of looking at me skeptical. You're sort of rolling your eyes at me. And I don't blame you. Because so often we hear that phrase, New year, new me. And maybe we've said it before. Maybe we've heard people we know say it. But what happens? What really happens I mean, 50% of us have already broken our New Year's resolutions, right? We say New Year, New Me, but often we settle back into the same old patterns, the same old rhythms, and the same old routines. Maybe we've done it ourselves. We said, you know, this is my year. I'm going to be a brand new person. It's going to be totally different, and yet so often it's not. We don't lose weight. We don't spend more time with friends and family. We don't eat healthier, and we don't exercise more. You know, I believe sometimes we carry that same attitude into our spiritual lives, We carry a a defeatist attitude, a a mentality of defeat. I think most of us, if we're honest, probably think this morning that this year will simply be a repeat, spiritually, of last year. Yeah, sure, we would hope it would be better that we'd have a a better walk with God and see more victory and experience more peace. But if we're really honest with ourselves, we think, I'm probably going to settle into the same rituals, the same routines, the same patterns I'd be content for this year spiritually to look exactly as it did last year. Struggling with the same victory or struggling to get victory over the same sin. Still inconsistent in our walk or our relationship with Christ. Still lacking boldness when we try to witness or share our faith. Still praying the same, to be honest with you, faithless prayers. I think many of us, if we were honest, would say, I would guess, I would predict that this year spiritually will look a lot like last year did. But you know, the title of my message this morning is Living New Life. And the Bible makes it very clear that as believers, we are given new life. That in in Jesus Christ, we have new resurrection life. So here's the question I want to ask you this morning. If we've been given new life, why aren't we living new life? So often, though we have partaken in Jesus Christ and we've experienced new life in the gospel, we live every day the same. We live every day defeated. We live every day not partaking in the new resurrection life. And so this morning, I want to look at this passage in Colossians and see how the Apostle Paul teaches us how we can live out new life in Jesus Christ. Not just for salvation, but every single day we can live lives of joy, of peace, of victory, and how we can take this into the new year with us. And so look with me at Colossians chapter 3, and let's begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says this, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Let's pray this morning. Father, we are grateful to be in your house this morning. God, we thank you already for the time we've been able to have in lifting up our voices in worship. We thank you that you are a holy God. We thank you that you're a God who has never taken counsel from anyone, a God who, to whom no one else and nothing else can compare. God, this morning as we go to your word, I ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would challenge us. Lord, would you burn in our hearts this morning a discontentment, a holy discontentment for where we are spiritually, that we would not leave here content to go on in 2023 the same as we've been, but that we would be motivated, challenged, equipped to live in victory, to live the resurrected life that you want us to live. And we'll thank you for that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Colossians from prison. It's a prison epistle. And he wrote it to the church at Colossae. Uh, It's only four chapters. It's a very short book. And the first two chapters, chapters 1 and 2, are very doctrinal. And chapter 1 specifically teaches us uh, this major theme or this major major lesson. It teaches us the preeminence of Jesus Christ. There's a famous verse, uh, Colossians 1 And verse number, uh, I'll read 17 and 18. The Bible says this, And he is before all things, and by him, this is Jesus, all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Colossians 1 teaches us that Jesus is to be first of all in our lives, in this church, that he is to be preeminent over all, that he is, he's God's only begotten son. He's the firstborn, worthy of all worship and all praise. He's preeminent. And chapter 2 teaches us the lesson that Jesus is not only preeminent, but Jesus is sufficient. Christ is all we need. Verse number 9 of chapter 2, the Bible says, For in him, in Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. We sing a song here at our church, complete in thee. And we get it right from this verse. That the truth of the matter is that in Jesus we have everything we need. He is all we need. Christ is all and in all. We are sufficient, or he is sufficient, and we are complete in him. So, two chapters, one and two, very doctrinal. Chapter three and four are very, very practical. It's a total change of theme here. Chapter 3 and 4 is kind of this long list of uh, practical uh, applications to a Christian living. It tells us um, how to walk in wisdom towards them that are without, how to have a good testimony. It tells us principles for servants obeying masters. It tells us principles for husbands to love wives and wives to submit to husbands. It gives us principles about how to put off the old man and put on the new man. So we have these two doctrinal chapters and these two practical chapters and i believe at the beginning of chapter three we have these four verses that are transitional from doctrine what we should know to practice what we should do and these four verses kind of stand in the middle and they're very very important because if you miss these four verses you might be tempted to think that the life of a christian is just chapter three and four Oh, I just got to do the right thing and love enough and and make sure I'm putting off the old man and putting on the new man and I can work hard and be good enough and then I'll be a Christian. But these verses are so, so important. They tell us how we can live out the spirit-filled, victorious resurrection life. So I want you to notice how this chapter begins, the first few words with me. It says, if ye then be risen with Christ. You see, all the instructions to follow are given to believers to those who are risen with Christ, to those who have experienced new life in Jesus. Without these verses, we could try to follow all the instructions in chapter three and four and we would just be frustrated. We'd have no hope. We'd have no peace. Without Jesus, without being risen in Christ. And so it's important to understand that that the lesson here this morning is for believers, for those who have put their faith in Jesus. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, If you've never put your faith in him, if you don't know for sure that if you were to die today that you would have a home in heaven, can I encourage you that there is no better way to start a new year than with new life. That today, as we heard last week, today is the day of salvation. And that we can take part in the gospel, which is the death, the burial, and the resurrection, the new life of Jesus. And so everything today is is written towards those who have partaken in the gospel, those who are saved and are risen with jesus so for all of us then this morning who have new life who've been given new life how is it that we can live that new life that we can live like christ and experience joy and victory and blessing in 2023 that this year could be different for us spiritually than last year this morning i want to look at two practical reminders on how to live the risen life and then three powerful reasons on why we should live the risen life. Okay, so that's where we're going. Two, two ways how, and three reasons why. So, let's begin. How can we experience new life? How can we live the joyful, sustaining, victorious Christian life? Number one, and my points are very simple. They're not, uh, not that fancy this morning. Number one is to seek those things which are above. Look at verse number one. If ye then be risen with Christ seek those things which are above where christ sitteth on the right hand of god the word seek means to go after to passionately pursue it's a present active imperative command which means this it's something that we continually do To seek after Christ is not a one-and-done thing in the life of a Christian. In fact, uh, the life of someone who follows after Jesus is simply that, somebody who's continually, passionately pursuing after God. We're called to seek after him, to seek after the things that are above and not the things that are below. Being a follower of Jesus is a commitment to pursue a life of fellowship, Christ-likeness, and relationship with God. You know, the phrase here in Colossians that's translated, uh, seek the things which are above, it's the same as we find in Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching his disciples here. And he's talking about the fact that there's many things in life that we could pursue. There's many goals in life that we could make the the aim or the goal of our life. I think it's interesting. He speaks to two specifically. He talks about uh, protection and provision. And he gives us some examples. He talks about the, the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. And he's like, hey, uh, don't you worry about your food and your rain. Don't worry about your protection and your provision. I take care of the birds. I take care of the flowers. Don't you know I'll take care of of you? And this is a bit of a side note, but I think it's interesting that Jesus chose to highlight protection and provision. I mean, he could have said to his disciples, uh, don't make the goal of your life uh, financial success or don't make the goal of your life um, uh, popularity or fame. But he hits on provision and protection. Look at our world the last three years. I think a lot of people are making the goal of their life provision and protection. Providing. I got, we're in a financial crisis. i got to do everything I can to just put food on the table, provide for my family. I mean, how about what we've gone through the last three years? Talk about protection. Safety has become the number one concern above all else in our society. People living in fear because their protection is only the thing they care about. It's paramount above all else. And Jesus says, hey, don't be anxious and don't make these the goal of your life. Those are the things the Gentiles seek after. He says this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31. He says, Therefore, take no thought saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. There's that phrase, the same as in Colossians 3 seek ye first the kingdom of God so i ask you this morning church family what is the goal of your life what are you passionately pursuing in 2023 what are you seeking after you know i think most christians set goals and aims of physical temporal things and hope they will stumble into spiritual success i mean like let's be honest take a look at your goals for this year your resolutions what categories would they fall into? We're fooling ourselves if we think that we're going to set physical goals and set financial goals and set family goals and we're going to to set career goals and we'll just stumble into spiritual success because our passion, the things we're seeking after are all wrong. Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Oftentimes our resolutions, our goals, they reveal a preoccupation and a wrong focus of the temporal, the physical, the things of this earth away And the message of Colossians 3 is, no, 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 seek the things which are above and not the things of earth. The passion, the pursuit of our life ought to be Jesus and his word and his will and honor and glorifying him in everything we do. You know, Paul learned a really important lesson in the Christian life. And he teaches us this lesson in Philippians chapter 3. The lesson is this, victorious Christian life is more about pursuing than performing. It's more about pursuing than performing. Sometimes we think to to live the life Christ wants us to live, it's a matter of checking the boxes and making sure our performance is right and that everything on the outside is just exactly how it needs to be. But Paul realized it's so much more about the aim and the goal and the direction of our heart than just simply our outward performance. Listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. He says, That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do... Forgetting the things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Paul learned that following Jesus wasn't a life of checking boxes. It was a life of passionately pursuing a relationship with God. If anybody knew about performing, it was Paul, right? He had done the whole religious performance thing already. He's like, hey, I, I'm circumcised the eighth day. I'm, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrew, a Pharisee of the Pharisee, the stock of Benjamin. I mean, I've done all the things. I performed all the boxes. But I realize now that it, it's not about performing religious acts. It's about pursuing Jesus. It's about a passionate pursuit, seeking after the things which are above and not the things of earth. He wasn't, pers- uh, he wasn't uh, pursuing performance anymore. He had been apprehended by Christ Man, he had been taken hold of about how good and great God was. And he's like, I can't, I can't shake this thing. I'm not living for a performance anymore. I'm, I'm living for pursuing after a relationship with Jesus. He pursued him with all his heart. The question is, will you? Ask yourself honestly this morning, what are you seeking after? What are you working towards? What is the passionate pursuit of your life? Don't be distracted by the things of earth, the things that are below, the things that fade, the things where thieves can break treasures in heaven, lay up treasures in heaven, not here on earth, because where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. Have you lost your passionate pursuit of God? He says, seek the things which are above and not the things of earth. The second reminder, the practical step of how we can live out our new life is simply this not to seek after the things which are above, but to set our affection on things which are above. This verse tells us that we should not only live as Christians with passionate hearts, but we should also live with focused minds. To live the resurrected, joyful, victorious Christian life, you need a passionate heart following Jesus and a focused mind on the things above. I believe that this is the key to transforming your Christian life this year is by setting your affections, which speaks of setting your mind or focusing your thoughts. You say, why do you believe that, Pastor Levi? Because Romans 12, verse 2 tells us, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and uh, and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're to be transformed, to be strangers here on earth through uh, the, the transforming of our mind, focusing our minds and our thoughts on Scripture, through prayer, focusing on Jesus. How about this? Through, through music, focusing our minds and our thoughts on the things of heaven and not on the things of this earth. You see, this is a call to a biblical mindset, a biblical worldview, to see the world the way that Jesus does, to have the mind of Christ. Set your affections is actually the same phrase as translated in Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus setting your affections has the idea of having the mind of christ focusing on the things of heaven and not the things of earth so i ask you what are you thinking about not just what are you working towards not just what's the passionate pursuit of your life but what are you thinking about what consumes your thoughts in those idle moments what are you thinking about are you thinking about sinful thoughts perhaps in those quiet moments maybe even now in your head there's there's lustful thoughts Perhaps there's uh, sexually impure thoughts. Perhaps there's uh, bitter thoughts, angry thoughts. Perhaps there's covetous thoughts, wanting things that God has not chosen to give to us. What are you thinking about? Maybe it's not so much sinful thoughts, but maybe you're just so bogged down by the busyness of your life now, you're a business owner, or you're a mom, or, or a dad, or uh, you got a busy life, and you're working overtime, and you got to take your kids to sports and school, and you got to keep everything straight, and you got so many things going on, and it's just like your to do list is calling, and you got to get through every single day, and the busyness of life, it bogs down your mind where you don't have a free second to even think about heaven, or God, or God's Word, or meditate on the truth of God's Word. We're so bogged down with the temporal, the here, the now, the earthly. That's all we can think about. I want to give you a challenge this week. I want to challenge you to somehow, depending on how you do this, for a lot of us it's going to be through our phones, Uh, for others perhaps you have to write it down somewhere, put it in the calendar, uh, I don't know, write it on your hand, something. I want you to set a reminder for yourself. I want you to set a reminder for a couple times this week at random times, like a Tuesday morning or a Thursday afternoon. And I want you to set a reminder, something that triggers you to think this thought, it's just simply, what are you thinking about? While you're at work, while you're driving, while you're at home with your family, that all of a sudden it's going to pop up and you're going to think, what am I thinking about? And I want you to be honest this week, uh, it's not homework, you don't have to submit anything, it's between you and God, but I want you to be honest to say, really take stock and think, what am I thinking about? what consumes my thoughts what fills my minds when i'm at work when i'm with my kids when i'm driving what is the thing that i'm constantly going to what am i filling my mind with i had the chance as i was preparing this week to kind of get a head start on this experiment and i gotta be honest i didn't like what i found every time i said what am i thinking about i wasn't thinking about spiritual things i wasn't focusing and setting my affection on the things above most often i was more consumed with the daily tasks of today with my to-do list, with my checklist, the things i got to get done, the people i got to see, the meetings I have, the work that needs to be accomplished. Perhaps sinful thoughts, thinking of things I shouldn't be thinking of instead of setting my affection on things that are above. And so I challenge you to do that this week. Really take stock of your thoughts. What are you thinking about? In studying this week, I found a well-known saying. It talks about the balance that we try to strike as believers, where we live in the world, but we're not of the world. And it says this, it says, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And I don't know who to attribute that quote to, but I saw it lots of places this week as I was thinking about this. And I understand the sentiment of the phrase, I really do. And I think for some of us that may be helpful and applicable, but I got to be honest, for me, that doesn't do me much good because it's very rare that I'm so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. In fact, the opposite is, is more true. It's more that I'm so earthly-minded that I'm no heavenly good. I'm so caught up in the things of earth, the routine, the schedule, the to-dos and the lists and the checklists and the things i got to get accomplished that I'm not even thinking about the kingdom of God. I'm not thinking about what God wants me to do. To, to do. I'm not thinking about the divine appointment of that person who's walking right by me. And I'm not, not thinking and looking for opportunities to share my faith. I'm so earthly-minded sometimes that I'm no heavenly good. And so I like another quote that I saw this week by John MacArthur the pastor it says this let your preoccupation with heaven govern your earthly responses. I like that. Let's be so preoccupied with heaven that it governs all of our earthly responses. You know sometimes we can think, well, yeah, Pastor Leo, that sounds great, but I'm a dad. And I got kids to to deal with and to, to raise. And I'm a mom and I'm a working mom and I'm busy. I'm a student. I'm about to go back here on Monday to school and I got exams in three weeks. I'm an employee, I'm an employer. I have a busy life. It's unrealistic to think I can just walk around preoccupied with heaven. think i gotta focus on my kids i gotta focus on my job i gotta focus on my school and my exams there's so many things i gotta give my focus to i'm trying to grow in all these areas i can't just be walking around preoccupied with heaven but here's what i truly believe that if we will fix and set our affections our minds our thoughts on the things of heaven and not on the things of earth and we'll be consumed with God's word and God's will. And we'll be filling our minds with the truth of the scripture. And we'll be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and dwelling upon him and his goodness all day long. You know what I really believe? That if you're doing that, you'll be the dad that you, want, that you need to be. And if you're doing that, you'll be the boss that you need to be. And you'll be the student and friend and sibling and, and child and parent you'll need to be because you'll be consumed and, and filling your mind with the truth of God's word and the will of God. I believe that if we seek first the kingdom of God and set our affection on the things which are above, that the things below will be right where they need to be. You know, I think that the biggest difference between you and your unsafe coworker and your unsafe family, you know, more than just the way that you dress or the way that you talk, sometimes those things will be different. Sometimes those things should be different. But more than that, you know what I think the biggest difference, apart from uh, maybe your eternal destination, should be should be what's up here the things you're thinking about, the way you view, the worldview by which you see every situation. We ought to have the mind of Christ that we would focus our thoughts and our minds upon the things of God. So Christian, are you living in victorious, resurrection, joyful, sustaining Christian life? You've been given new life. Are you living it? You say, Pastor Levi, how do I know? Ask yourself these two simple questions. What is the pursuit of your life and what are you thinking about? He says, hey, seek the things which are above and set your affections on the things that are above. That's practically how we can live out the new life in Jesus. And now as we start to wrap it up to a close, I want to I look at these three things. Why? What's our motivation? You say, oh, sounds great, Pastor Levi, but why should we do that? What's the big deal? Number one, the reason why is because of your past. Look at the text with me again. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, if ye then be risen with Christ. Now look at the beginning of verse 3. For ye are dead. As a follower of Jesus, if you've accepted the message of the gospel, it means that you are dead to yourself and alive unto Christ. You've taken part in the message of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. You're dead to yourself and you're alive through Christ. Paul understood this when he wrote in Galatians two. He says, "For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ; nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. When I put my faith in Jesus Christ, Levi Tyrell died to himself." And I was born again, alive unto God. And every breath that I breathe and every day that I live, I'm to live for the glory of the one who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm dead to myself, but I'm alive to God. The life that I now live is ought to be for Christ. Say, why should I be motivated to seek after God and to set my affections after God? Why? Because God loved you enough to send his son to die for you. Because you're saved. Because you're no longer dead in trespasses and sin. You're dead to yourself, but you're alive, eternal, and abundant unto God. That's why. Because of the gospel. Look at our past, but let's look at our present. Look at verse number three. It says, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can hold to this truth this morning, that your life is hidden with Christ in God. You say, great, what does that mean? Well, I think it means a few things. First, it means that if we're hidden in Christ with God, it means we are saved from the penalty of our sin and the wrath of God. We are in Christ. We are safe and secure in Him. And His righteousness covers us. His blood has made an atonement for our sin. And we don't have to face the penalty for sin anymore. We are hidden with Christ in God. We're safe and secure in Jesus. Praise the Lord for that. And you know what else it means that we're hidden with God? It means that He's put us in the palm of His hand. And that no man can ever pluck us out. That our salvation is secure until the day of Christ's returning. That we are hidden with God. Our life is no longer about us. We're dead. But we're hidden with God. We're secure. And we can praise the Lord for that. We're covered by His love and His blood. And we're safe from His wrath. We are hidden in Christ. So live for God, set your affections, and seek after God because of your past. He saved you because of your presence. You're hid with Christ and God and because of your future. Look at verse number four with me. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. One day Christ will return and we will appear with him in glory. Let's live today like those who actually are awaiting his return. Let's live like we care. Let's live like we believe that Jesus is coming back for us and that one day we too will be glorified as he is glorified. You notice that this passage, these short little four verses, they're bookended with two references to resurrection. The beginning, if ye then be risen with Christ, and in the future, in verse number four, that we shall appear with him in glory. Christian, we've trusted in the resurrection of Jesus for our salvation. Trust and believe with the same hope that he will return and that one day we'll be saved from the very presence of our sin. We'll have a bodily resurrection. We'll be glorified with Jesus. That day is coming. And because of that, we should live passionate lives of pursuing God and focused minds on the truth of God's word and thinking the way God wants us to think because of Christ in our past, Christ in our present, and Christ our glory in the future. He is worthy. I want to, as we close, I want to focus on one phrase that I just think is too important for us to miss. Look at verse number four with me again. The Bible says this, when Christ who is our life. I love that phrase. Christ who is our life. I believe that one of the greatest mistakes you can make as a Christian is to compartmentalize your life. It's to split up your life into all these different categories, all these different compartments. And maybe that's reflected in your New Year's resolution goal, right? Like we saw earlier, you got physical goals and you got financial goals and you got career goals and relationship goals. And maybe you got some spiritual goals too, you'll throw them in. And you're working and pulling in all these different directions and all these different areas of your life. And you're hoping that if your finances are good and your physical uh, strength is good and that your health is good and your family's good, well then hopefully at the end of the year, you know, it'll be a good year with God too. And we forget this truth that God is not part of our life. Our spiritual life is not part of our life. It's not something to add in. It's not one of the categories that we make goals about. Christ is our life. Everything in this life, every part of our life is nothing if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. You know, you could look back and think, oh, I had a good year. I lost some weight or I need to lose some weight. You know what, I'm not saying those things aren't important. That's between you and your doctor and the scale, right? <laughs> but what does that matter in eternity? Christ is our life. I promise that if spiritually our focus is our walk with God and setting our passions and our minds on the things of heaven and the things above and not on the things of earth, that those other things will take care of themselves. Christ is our life. He's the source of our life. He's the sustainer of our life. He's the joy of our life. He's the goal of our life. He gives substance to our life. He is our life. And I believe when we live in light of this truth, when we dwell on that truth, and we focus our our goals and we set our our aim, our passionate pursuit towards seeking God, and we set our minds and we focus on the things of God, I believe what's going to happen in 2023 for our church is that God's going to begin to transform us. From the inside out, the way true, lasting spiritual change always takes place. From the inside out, being renewed in our minds. We'll be able to walk and enjoy and celebrate new, resurrected, risen life. Joy and victory. Communion with God. Peace. We've been given new life, church. But we got to live new life. And so we ask these very simple questions this morning. What are you seeking after? And what are you focused on? You want to live new life? Make Jesus the pursuit, the aim, the goal. Not finances, not career, not family. Those things are important. But make Jesus the goal. Focus and set your affections, your mind upon him. And we'll be able to experience the new life that we have in Jesus. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we are thankful for... The gospel, your death, your burial, and your resurrection. Thank you for the new life that is available in you. And God, I pray this morning that every single one of us will be honest about whether or not we've ever partaken in that new life. Lord, if there's someone here today who does not know for sure that they're saved, would you work in their hearts even now? God, for those of us who know you as personal Savior, Lord, would you make us discontent to live a defeated Christian life this year? Would you grow in us a desire to seek after you passionately, to put you first, to seek your kingdom, and to focus our minds upon you, your word, and your will. And we'll thank you for it.